I uh, made a statement in the early service that, you know, with Sean being gone and, and, and he's such a, a passionate pastor and I've got big shoes to fill and I so appreciate our, our church and how encouraging everybody is. Uh, Donna Bailey came up to me and uh, I was grabbing a cup of coffee and she said, what size shoe do you wear? And I said, I don't, uh, a 10? What, what do you, I don't need shoes. And she says, no, you wear a 10 and that's what God what size God's going to fill today. And so I appreciate her encouragement um, because it does get a little nerve-wracking trying to, to follow somebody like Sean. And, and that's a good thing because it keeps me accountable and it helps me um, prepare so I don't take this lightly because this is a, an honor to be able to stand before you. Uh, I love our church family. You would have asked me, graduating high school, I've said this before, I uh, didn't have the, the American dream of coming back to Eastland after uh, college graduation. And you know, isn't God awesome how he uh, opens up doors, and, and I'm just privileged and honored to, to stand before you and, and share what God's done in my life uh, over these last couple of months. Um, he does leave some pretty big shoes to fill, and, and one thing I enjoy about Sean is he's passionate. You know, he, he's going to preach the gospel, and he's going to be passionate about it, and, and that's because his personality is that. He's passionate about um, you know, he's hunting right now, so he's passionate about being able to, to hunt, spend time with family, take care of his family, um, yelling at the refs. You know, he's passionate when it comes to sports. I think that's calmed down a little bit since he's refing himself. Um, you know, he gets very uh, emotionally uh, attached to sharing the gospel because here's the catch. It's changed his life and who he is. And so um, I do appreciate him. And, and the last thing I'll say, I appreciate his leadership because I've learned this over the last few years. A good leader... Um, cast a vision. Uh, a great leader stands behind the cross and says, Lord, cast your vision for my people. And, you know, one thing about Sean, um, I, I firmly believe he's such a great leader because he first follows Jesus Christ and, and what that looks like. So I appreciate um, you guys being here. Um, last few times, to kind of catch you up, the last few times I've had a chance to share, I've talked a little bit about um, there being a bigger picture, that God has a bigger picture for us, and I've really challenged us to start beginning, uh, to begin to start thinking outside the box and what that means, because I'm a firm believer that the revival even I had as a kid uh, growing up, it was, you know, started Sunday and ended Wednesday, lives were changed, God did great things, whether that was Team Impact or Strike Force or, or any type of evangelist coming in, I believe we're entering into an era that, that looks different. It, it, for whatever reason, revival um, has to look different because of how fast our society has changed. And so I just want to challenge us to, to, with that same thing, theme of thinking outside the box and that there's a bigger picture. Um, and folks, the, the picture is this. God's at work. Amen. I mean, you can look around and see that God is raising up a generation of, of young people, old people, and all in between. And he is, he is beginning to prepare his church, the church for what is to come, and, and Lord forbid if we sit in our, our pews today and, and don't realize that there's a sense of urgency. I mean, you can turn on any news station. I don't care if it's CNN or Fox News. You can get on Facebook. You can get on anything, and I promise you, you're going to find bad news. You're going to see that, that Christians, our brothers and sisters that we will worship in eternity with are, are losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. So for us to sit here and say, and I'm going to challenge us today. For us to sit back and say, you know, we want to pray for them and, 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 and to just kind of let God work that out means that we're, we're settling 
for, for something that we need to be, man, guys, there's a sense of urgency, and, and we have got to be prepared, and I think God is starting a revival in our church and our people. I think it's a personal revival, and today I want us to look a little bit at Scripture because I think the next step for us as a church, for us, for the ones that are, are eagerly pursuing personal revival, is to understand what forgiveness means. Because I promise you, if we have unconfessed sin and we are not repenting from the things that, that we have done and, and not learning, if we are not forgiving our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's going to be real hard for us to sit back and expect God to do big things because of the forgiveness he's given us. And so the picture is this. God is at work. Um, you know, He's setting the stage for his church to begin living out their faith in a real and practical way. Uh, and I believe each of you, each of us play a role in that. And, and I believe that you realize you play a role. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And I don't know what the circumstances of why you're here, but I can promise you this. God has you here for a specific purpose. And today we're going to look at forgiveness and that I believe um, you understand there's a greater cause. You, otherwise, you'd spend your Sunday uh, morning. I mean, it's lunchtime right now. Otherwise, you'd be doing something else. But you've given of your time. So I believe... Um, that, that you understand God is alive and at work. I'd say this too. Some of us are further along in our walk. Some of us um, are wondering about this whole Christianity thing and others of us find ourselves in a slump and are fighting the plague of complacency. Wherever you find yourself today, I ask one thing, that you be real and get it right with the Lord. And, and I've had to, to, to really do this, um, when, when the Lord told me I was going to speak on forgiveness, Sean told me two months ago, hey, be prepared for one of the Sundays in spring break. started praying and I started thinking, oh Lord, no, I, I don't want to go on the forgiveness, you know, because there, there's things, guys, that I've had to this last week and month, I've had to text people and say, man, please forgive me. I've had to call people, I had to get, you know, make sure, because here's the deal, this is important, I believe God has something for each of you, and I cannot honestly sit up here and, and teach God's word if I'm not willing to do what I'm asking you to do. And that's why I love Sean, because he's willing to do what he's asking you to do. So um, I would argue that each of us are pursuing something. And at the core of our heart, if we could be real with ourselves today, we desire to be pursued. Church, God is pursuing you today. God wants to do a work in your life. And, and uh, man, how great it is to know that the God of the creator of the universe is pursuing a relationship with each of us, and he pursues us. Um, so I want to pray. I want to pray that, um, that we wouldn't desire anything but him today. I want to pray that our routines, which ironically our routine is messed up today, I want to pray that he would continue to, I use a phrase with our students, that he would continue to wreck our life, not in the sense of, of whatever, but in the sense of brokenness. Because, I, guys, I, I'm a selfish person, and you can ask my wife. I wouldn't ask her because she'll tell you the truth. But I, I'm a selfish and prideful person, and this has really spoken to me that if we are going to ask God for revival, we have to be broken before him. And I just want to challenge us as we pray, spend these next few minutes just praying that God would, would break our hearts for what breaks his today. So let's pray. Father, I, I come before you today, Lord. God, I'm eager to share your, your good news, God, because of the only simple thing of how it's changed my life. Lord, I'm eager for our church to begin to stand up. I'm eager for our, our people, our congregation to understand what unity, God, as, as we look at, at uh, how you use the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, you, you are calling the church to unity. God, we're, we're foolish to think that 
we would have genuine unity within our church if we can't get our petty differences taken care of today. God, there's a lot of hurting people. God, there, there are people that are holding on to stuff. There are people that can't let go. God, the, the beauty of this is, today, the beauty of this is that you have forgiven us of our sins, our past, our present, and our future sins. As Christians today, we can stand in one thing alone, that you have forgiven us of our sins. And God, you call us in your book, in your Bible, to forgive our brothers and sisters because you first forgave us. God, send revival. May we be uh, able to listen and to see how you're doing that. And uh, Lord, I just love you and thank you for an opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be out in the book of Ephesians. And I believe the next step for us as we prepare, prepare for this thing called revival is to look to Scripture. Um, because I, I'm going to be the first to tell you, you know, us as a, a leadership team, a, a staff, we're trying to figure out what revival looks like. And all we know is what we've experienced. We don't know what God's trying to do, but we know that he's trying to raise up a generation, a church, a, a group of people that are in unison and, and understand the importance and the urgency of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I believe we can look at the church in Ephesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Ephesians. We're going to start in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to flip page, flip a page back and, and be camp out in chapter 4 for a little bit. But as you're turning, um, the general synopsis of where I'm, I'm kind of going. You know, like I said, Sean told me I'd be preaching, so I started thinking about forgiveness and tried to get out of it, and the Lord was just drawing me back to the beauty of his forgiveness. And how beautiful of a picture it is that he wipes our slate clean. Whiter than the snow we saw last week, um, as, as pretty as that was. And so I even, you know, you know how you get when, okay, Lord, if this is really what you want me to speak on, you're going to have to show me something else. And so I start, you know, God, give me another sign. And I ask Ellie, a four-year-old, you know, at this time she was three, about to be four. And I said, Ellie, what, is, what should daddy, and Cody can vouch for this. I said, what should daddy preach on? She goes, I think the church needs, without missing a beat, I think the church needs to hear about forgiveness. And I said, okay, Lord, now you're just showing off. Now you're just really, <laughs> really making me feel uh, remorse there. But um, as I kind of set the stage for what we're going to be reading, I've entitled the sermon Walk in Love because Paul tells us that we are to walk in love. And, and as we look back, you're going to see through Scripture. Um, but he's writing to a church, very wealthy area, F Church of Ephesus. It's a port city, and so, you know, a lot of wealth. Um, but the thing about it is, the reason he's challenging them to, to be unified under the gospel, the same gospel that they were saved by, you're going to see, he's challenging them then because they've become kind of complacent. They've become kind of like the, the Gentiles of, of that time, and they've really just focused on inward stuff rather than outward. And, uh, and so that's kind of setting the stage, and no big sin, you know, no big catastrophe to the church of Ephesus. It's simply walk in unity, walk in love, and experience the grace that God has given us. And, uh, you know, it's not like the church of Corinth where they're dealing specifically with, you know, sexual sin or anything like that. This is strictly, he's writing to the church and saying, guys, it's time to step up. It's time to understand we're all on the same team here, and let's, let's get it and let's go. So it's kind of a, a pep rally, if you will. Um, He's calling the church to wake up and to experience their first love, and that was Christ. Paul issues a charge to, to the church to walk in love. But before we can walk in love, we have to check our hearts. So let's look at Scripture. This is what Scripture says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, so if you know anything, anytime we hear, uh, Sean's taught us very well, anytime you see the word therefore, you're supposed to go back and see what therefore is therefore. And so, you know, this, if we could preach on Ephesians 5 verse 1 or Ephesians 4 for years, but I want us to go back, flip a page back, and, and because he says, therefore, be imitators of God. So he's obviously issued how we are to be imitators. So he's called us to be imitators of God, which means we are to, to be like God. We are created in his image. Um, if we look back, uh, chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 17 through 32 for us, because I think this is important, folks. I think this is where we're at. This is where I feel I find myself and what I'm dealing with. And if this isn't you, you just have to listen to me for the next 20 minutes, because I am just really believe God's trying to show us something. Um, so he calls us to be imitators, and there's some prerequisites, if you will. Verse 17 of chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Check this out in verse 20. Paul gets kind of gets going on this and says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, look, let's not become callous. We have, okay, and we've become callous because we're living in our old way of life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Okay, so as a Christian, as a Christ follower, I'm speaking to us right now that we have got to be careful. We have not become callous of the things that um, ha- have of our old way of life. And he goes on again with another therefore, which is why I had to kind of go back. Uh, therefore, verse 25, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of, of another. Be angry and do not let the sin or be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing his honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29 is where it kind of starts, for me, slapping me around and God starts saying, wake up. It says this in 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is for as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And as he closes, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all the malice. In 20, verse 32 is where we're gonna focus. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgave you. Folks, I'm a firm believer that the next step for us, like I've already shared, is that for true personal revival, we're going to have to learn what forgiveness looks like. We're going to have to digest what that means because if I'm reading this right, there can't be unity. And if I'm knowing how God has worked in our lives, we have to be unified to experience corporate revival. 
Otherwise, it's just another event. It's just another experience. It's just not another thing that, another camp high. It's just another one of these ideas. But if we experience true personal revival, I think it's because what we're dealing with, with the heart issue, and that's forgiveness. Um, he tells us kind of in verse 32, the synopsis of what he's saying. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Folks, we are to forgive. And to forgive means to stop feeling anger towards someone and to give up resentment. Resentment. Now, I'm sure you, when you hear forgiveness, you think of the, the phrase forgive and forget. Okay, well, I'm human, and uh, I don't do a very good job of forgetting. Uh, my wife will tell you differently. I forget a lot of stuff, okay? But I don't do a good job. When somebody wrongs me, it is hard for me to forget. It just is. That's our human nature. As a matter of fact, I believe forgiveness is part of a longer process that we have to forgive and then forgive and then forgive some more. Because if we're looking at the model of forgiveness, you have to understand that God first forgave us. He didn't just forgive me the day I accepted Christ. He forgave me of my past, that moment, and then a minute later after accepting Christ, the sin, the thought, or whatever is a barrier between God. He is forgiving me now. That's, That's the model of forgiveness. We've got to grasp the idea of forgiving on a constant basis. Uh, Dr. Vody Bauckham, he's a well-known pastor, uh, just a a powerful uh, pastor out of Spring, Texas, came and spoke to our our youth actually last year. And some of you guys may remember this, but this is what he said about forgiveness. We are human. We cannot forgive and forget. There's not a human on this planet that can forgive and completely forget. Every day as believers, we have to make a conscious effort to forgive people time and time again. And I just think about that because so many of us want the, you know, my generation is known as the microwave generation. We want it, we want it now. The, it's my money and I want it now. You know, it, it's, it's so easy for us to just say, well, I'm just going to forgive you and I'm going to forget about it. But then something happens and we don't forget about it. We do an awful job and that's why it's important to understand the process of true forgiveness. 2008, most of y'all probably remember um, when Virginia Tech, there was a gunman that came on campus. I can't believe it was that long ago, but if you can remember back, there was 32 young people uh, and teachers that lost their lives on that day. Very horrific, tragic event. And um, one of the the young ladies who was killed, uh, her name was Mary Karen Reed. Okay, she was a Bible study leader. She was very involved in Campus Crusade. Uh, She was a sophomore there at Virginia Tech and loved the Lord. And uh, she was a a girl, uh, she wrote in her journal every morning, in the morning of the shooting, that she lost her life, had no idea what was to come that day. She says this in her her journal. Her parents uh, were able to to get her journal and, and look at how much she truly loved Christ. She quotes, When deep injury is done to us, we never recover until we forgive. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it sure does enlarge the future. And folks, I'm here to tell you, we are holding on to a lot of things. As a church, as a people, as a person, as a husband, as a wife, as a grandfather, as a grandson, as a son, as a co-worker, we are holding on to a lot of stuff right now. And I'm I'm telling you, guys, it's important that we learn to understand the, the idea of forgiveness. Otherwise, we'll never live in the fullness of Christ. If, there, if we can look at people and say, well, God has forgiven you of your sins, and then look at that same person and not forgive them because of what they've done, we're not experiencing the true forgiveness because we're just taking that for granted. I'm just, I'm living my life, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and, and 
Lord, forgive me for when I fail you. And if I say that every day and it becomes so routine, God, forgive me for where I fail you. It's important to ask for forgiveness. But with that, you have to understand there's true repentance. To experience his forgiveness in the fullest is to make sure that you are experiencing forgiveness for the ones that have wronged you, for the ones that have have gone against you, for the ones that you can't, maybe it's even yourself today. Maybe there's, there's folks here that can't even forgive themselves for a situation that happened or whatever. We cannot walk in the grace of God and expect to be light to a dark world if we can't learn to forgive. Um, I believe it is a blessing to have opportunities to give, forgive. I don't know if you've ever if experienced true forgiveness where a brother in Christ, I, you know, if you go to that person scripturally and work through things and both of y'all are able to come out uh, you, you know, and, and walk through life together, there's nothing more sweeter than, than seeing reconciled friendships and relationships. Man, it's just an awesome thing. And if you've ever been a part of that, you, you enjoy, it's like a, a burden has been lifted off. You can forgive them. No matter what they've done, you can forgive them. Um, When we were able to truly forgive each other, we can experience life to the fullest. Are you tracking with me? Is this good stuff? I mean, to understand that the fullness of God's forgiveness uh, is just unbelievable. The church in general, I believe, has become calloused, just like Paul has said. Not saying just us. I'm saying the church in general, especially guys here in America, it's real easy to sit back. We've got our recliners, we've got our TVs, we've got everything we ever need. Uh, matter of fact, I was talking to my dad and, uh, you know, after the, the morning service and he was just heartbroken, uh, you know, thinking about this. We've got everything we need. Matter of fact, when a snowstorm's coming, we're going to go to Walmart, we're going to get the best fire logs we can, the six-hour logs, and we're going to stock up on stuff and, and we have become so inward. And there's, hear me on this, it's important to take care of your families and stuff, but our church, the church has become calloused to what's going on outside. And I think a lot of that has to do with forgiveness. We're going to live our life and we're going to do our stuff and yeah, not really worry about the, un- the, the sin that we're not dealing with. We're not going to worry about that. That's under the rug and we're just going to leave that there. And uh, it's, today's, it's, it's time to deal with it, I believe. Um, almost as if we are exempt from having to forgive our brothers and sisters. That's not how we learned Christ. Paul tells the church of Ephesus, that's not how you learned it. You learned it because you experienced the grace of God. And so he challenges them, and go, go back to the sweet day of victory that you gave your life to the Lord. That's how you learned. You learned what it meant to have your sins forgiven. Um, and I think to understand how we can forgive, it's even more important to understand uh, that when we become believers, we have been forgiven. And this is kind of where I want to spend the next few moments, because until we understand what we've been forgiven from, it's really hard to forgive others. And, and this is looking back through... Uh, Use some of Sean's commentary. I made a joke uh, in the early service. You know, Josh had an announcement video where he's uh, kicked back in Sean's chair. Laurie, I was not kicked back in Sean's chair while I was reading his commentary. Uh, But I found this, and I just, I've got to share it. This has just rocked my world, and and this is uh, from a commentary. Listen to this. How can we, who simply exist because God has forgiven us, deny forgiveness to our brethren? If God, who is infinitely above us, has condescended, has come down to the level of forgiveness, shall we stand more strictly on our petty rights? If God has forgiven us of our innumerable great and awful sins against him, can we be backward in pardoning the much fewer and slighter sins of our fellow men against us? Check this out. The divine forgiveness is the pattern of ours. It is the greatest cost of cost, uh, is the greatest cost of Christ. Through the gift of God's own Son, 
covering all sins, the worst of the sins, the blackest of the sins, without exception, without exception, perfect, full, and ungrudging, remembering our sins no more, removing them from as far as the east is from the west, burying them at the depths of the sea. He cheerfully and generously puts the ring and the best robe on us, the ones in repentance, free, not earned by scarce penance or good works, Such should be our forgiveness of one another. Folks, we can't forgive. We can't even begin to to forgive until we understand what we've been forgiven from. The utter depths of darkness, the sins that we believe nobody else knows about, the things that we hold on to that that keep us from experiencing this true repentance, the, the sins that nobody knows he's forgiven you from. Brother and sister in Christ, he has forgiven you of those sins. He forgave you of your past, of your present, and of your future sins. Why don't you turn back to chapter one of Ephesians. Kind of as a close close down a little bit on on what it means to be forgiven. Chapter one, we're gonna look at uh, seven, eight, and nine. Verse seven, it says this, and I'm reading out the ESV, so I'm sure it's a little different, but in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Look at verse eight. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set before us in Christ. Okay, so I want us to look at something. Through the blood, we have redemption. The blood that was shed on the cross, we are able to experience redemption. The forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. And in my version, it says, which he lavished over abundantly, extravagant. He lavished his grace upon us. No matter what sin you did, what sin you committed, what sin you think you will never get forgiven or handled, he has lavished his grace upon you. As a brother and sister in Christ, you have been forgiven. And the freedom that you have in forgiveness frees you to then forgive your brothers and sisters who sin against you. Can only, you can only truly forgive because he has first forgiven us. Folks, you can't do enough. You can't buy enough. You can't earn it enough. You can't uh, give enough. You are simply gifted. The word of God says you are gifted forgiveness and redemption through his blood. You can either accept that and make him Lord of your life or deny it and live for yourself. Two options. You either accept the grace that he's given you or you deny it and you live your life for you. Now the problem, not the problem, but the, the second half of this, when you accept that, if you are going to take a gift from God of this forgiveness, what do you think the, the prerequisite of that is? You have to forgive and repent and turn from your sins and live a life according to God's word. You have to. If you are going to take the forgiveness, okay, the same forgiveness that covers everybody. You understand? It covers everybody, Every worst deed you could ever think about in the history of of this world, he has covered that on the cross. No sin is greater, no sin is is worse, no sin is any different. He has covered, his blood covered our sins. Are you seeing that it's not just gifted one time? The the grace of God has been lavished upon us through his grace. We're going to watch this video. Matt Chandler's a a great pastor and he uh, pastors a church called The Village. Um, He graduated from Hardin-Simmons and God is just really using him to do a huge work. And uh, I came across this. It, it talks about redemption and forgiveness. He can say it a little bit better than I can. So I want us to watch this um, as we kind of wind down. 
Our default position as strugglers is to believe that God's disappointed and frustrated. That he simply is tolerating us. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 says, no, 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 no. Before the foundation of the earth was laid, he was going to adopt you, make you holy and blameless in his sight. So whether difficult days or good days, God's at work. God has not abandoned you in this difficult season. How amazing does that make our God that in our hypocrisy, he's long suffering with us. In our inability to live out all that he would call us to, he continues to lavish upon us his grace. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So I love this word lavish, extravagant, plentiful, over the top. And so now when the Bible's talking about forgiveness, it's saying that his grace in forgiveness is lavish, like it's too much, like it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount, right? It's, it's, it's weight, it's over the top. It's out of control. Man of woman of God in Christ but struggling, God does not regret saving you. He doesn't regret it. You haven't surprised him. You cannot surprise him. God is not watching where you are now, watching how you've struggled this week, watching how you stumble and fall, and regretting the decision to pay the price for you in full. You have no sin, past, present, and future that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. None. This means that your salvation wasn't just a past event alone, but that Christ even now is continuing to save you. He didn't forgive your past sins and now leaving it up to you to conquer present and future sins, which means it doesn't matter how you came in here. It means God can rescue. It means God can save. And it means for those of us who are in Christ, you do not disgust him. You do not disgust him. You don't know what I struggle with and how deplorable it is. Um, I know that Jesus would say that he paid the bill in full, and so what you're saying is nonsense. That is the grace with which he lavished on us in his forgiveness. Church, if we want to experience personal revival, if we want to experience his forgiveness, we have to, we have to understand we have been forgiven. And, and my gosh, guys, do you understand that the implications of what it took for him to forgive us? It took, we all know the verse, his one and only son was sent to die. We, are, we either make a choice and we say, we have been forgiven, I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, or we hold on to the, the junk and the garbage in our lives, and, and the, the cross was foolish. The blood that was, was, was spilled out, his body that was broken and beaten meant nothing if we can't learn to forget or to, to forgive what God has already forgiven us for. I mean, that, that is just, that is unbelievable. That just breaks my heart because I, I feel like our church, guys, we want to get it and we want to see this, this sense of revival. And I believe he's doing a work. He's raising up these young people. He's raising up an older generation and, and all the in-betweens. And he's wanting, he desires true community. Do you understand that? 
man, he, he desires the creator of the universe. And I don't know where you stand. Some of y'all may not understand creation. I, I have a hard time. Some of you may not even believe in who this God is. But I, let me tell you something. God has changed my life, and there's not one person that can tell me any differently. That's my testimony. And so as God has changed your life, you've experienced forgiveness, and now it's time for us, for personal revival, to understand we have got to forgive. Can't forget it, but guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to have another opportunity to forgive my brothers or sisters. And the next day after that, as, as, as long as the Lord tarries, every day I have an opportunity to forgive. Some of you need to accept the fact that you've been forgiven. For the first time, you just need to fall on your face and realize that you haven't surprised him. Okay, there's not a sin that he doesn't know about. You have no sin, past, present, or future that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. Friend, he wants to save you. I don't care if you walked the aisle at the age of eight and made a decision and, and filled out a card and, and said, I want to live for Jesus, and you really didn't know what that meant. Maybe today's the day you settle it. I mean, why, why would we put it off anymore? If you don't see what's going on around the world, I mean, guys, let's just be real, okay? There's not a lot of time left. He's calling his church to step up. He can either take it and run with it, or we can sit back and let the beast come to us. But I'm telling you, it's time to deal with this stuff today. Others need to be flat out reminded that he is continually saving us. He isn't regretting the price that was paid. God can rescue you and save you, and you do not disgust, us, disgust him. Others, others of us are beginning to get it. We're beginning to see a bigger picture, and we love the idea of forgiving, but we really need to understand what it means to forgive. Um, man, I'd say in our church, the church, okay, not just us, the church, um, there's so many little fires that, be built, that are built up. I mean, gosh, whether it's the color of paint or, um, you know, all the, the things he said, she said, this type of stuff, there's so much hurt, bitterness, jealousy, hate, sorrow, and the list could go on, and God is saying, this, this is not the way of this church. We are called to unity, and it's time that we deal that. It's, it's time that we be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. And as I close, today we deal with it. We deal with these fires and we begin to let the grace that was lavished upon each of us through the blood that was shed by Christ put them out one by one. Husbands and wives, it's time to forgive each other. Grandparents, it's time to forgive your children and love them so your grandchildren can see what forgiveness looks like. Friends, it's time to forgive each other and begin to lay down our differences one by one and live life to the fullest. Businessmen and women, it's time to forgive so that the Lord can use you in mighty ways to advance his gospel. Sons and daughters, it's time to forgive your parents and learn to just love them. No matter what has happened, it's time to forgive them. And the most importantly, I'd say probably majority of us are dealing with trying to forgive ourselves. It's time to let go of the sin that has you in shackles because by gosh, the word of God, the, the word I read says there is no power on this world that can overcome the power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave. And we are holding on to stuff. And, and I just challenge us, guys. I challenge us to, to be real for once. Today, I know it's late, but let's just let's deal with, with what God is, is asking us to do. We'll close with this quote. And Larry, y'all can come on back up as we begin to sing. We hang on to the things we believe will satisfy us, thinking we need those more than what God offers to provide. But how can we rejoice in and worship the majesty of a loving and forgiving God if in practice... We don't believe he loves and forgives. If in practice, we don't believe the gospel. How can our churches rejoice and even worship corporately when our collective energy is expended on carrying out and around the saddle of unconfessed sin and shame? 
When people walk in honesty about their fears, their shortcomings, and their needs, not in the thoughtless disobedience, but in grace-based freedom and forgiveness. It reveals a deep understanding of the gospel. To confess our sins to one another is to violently pursue our own joy in the glory of God. Let me just close in prayer. Father, I, just, I ask that you do a work today, Father. Um, God, if anything, I thank you for changing my life, and I thank you for this church that has given me an opportunity to share. Lord, I thank you for a pastor who, who loves you and, and pursues you. Father, there's, there's issues that need to be dealt with today, and, and God, I don't care if nobody comes down. I don't care if everybody comes down. I, I want you to just have freedom in this place. For once, Lord, our shackles would be broken, our routines would be broken, and for once we would just be able to say, God, we want more of you and less of us. God, for once that as a church we'd be unified and that, Lord, as you're tugging at our heart to go pray with this person, God, what does it matter what other people think? Well, I, you know, my sin, I, I've, I've got, they know this about me. Your grace was lavished upon us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. God, if there's a, a brother or sister in here that's struggling, just needs prayer, it's time to deal with it. God, if there's somebody that needs to just give their life to the Lord and say, God, I've, I've been running from you. I've been trying to do it on my own. Today is the day. God, you're coming quicker. So you were one day closer today than we were yesterday. And I believe that, that God, it's a sense of urgency for our church to be unified. God, we need strength and we need brothers and sisters that will stand together and proclaim your name all across Eastland County. Lord, do a work in our lives today. In Jesus' name.